0: We'll Welcome, B-Movie fans, to their B-Movie interview. I'm Paul, and joining me today are filmmakers Adrian and Arturo Smith, and they're here to discuss their new film, Soul Hunters. Guys, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, thanks so much for having us. Thanks yeah, for thanks, doing it. Thanks
2: a lot. Uh, so, so, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm Arturo and Arturo Saavedo Smith, and I, we both directed and wrote the movie, and then I, I did the visual effects for it, I did the cinematography, and I also colored the film.
1: And yeah, my name is Adrian Acevedo-Smith, and as my brother just said, we wrote and directed it, and I edited the movie, and we also both casted the movie as well.
0: Awesome. Brothers working together to make a film. That's awesome. <laughs> so what inspired you guys to become filmmakers in the first place?
2: Well, I think it, when we were kids, we used to shoot a lot of things together, so then, you know, back back then it was just with, with toys and stuff, so we'd create we create all these stories with, with with the toys and we used to shoot it with a really old camera that our dad lent us. And then, you know, kind of grew into making what are called stop motion animations. And so then I would make some and my brother would make some. And then eventually my brother started shooting other stuff with his friends. And I kept on with stop motion animation. And then I went on to do computer animation after stop motion animation. And then my brother kept doing the live action stuff. And he's the one who first went to to USC, and then I went and joined him in USC as well. And so we both studied film, and then I also minored in in 3D animation.
1: Yeah, so like my brother basically went through our blueprint of childhood and getting into film. And we've always just loved telling stories and telling uh, good action stories, because both of us grew up watching action movies, and that's really what inspired us both to go into filmmaking is directing an entertaining movie. Like, the movie that inspired me to go into filmmaking was Jurassic Park. I just loved how he combined, like, good visual effects with a great story, with a great plot, and that was, like, wow. I mean, I was, like, seven years old, and this was blew my mind. And since then, you know, I've really wanted to make movies. And then once my brother—like he said, like, we both went to USC, and while I focused on the editing, my brother focused on cinematography and visual effects— so then, once we graduated, well, once my brother graduated, he was like, "All right, we're we're good to go. Let's let's make this movie." So that's why we like buckled down and focused on getting a movie made. And and also
2: as we were as we were growing up, our mother would show us a lot of the classic movies of the '80s and '70s, and and a lot of the ones in the '90s. And so then we kind of grew up with those films in our minds, and that's kind of what we tried to implement into the movie that we created, those Soul Hunters. We try to implement a lot of what you could find in a lot of the classic movies of those decades.
1: We wanted to go back to that time where you could tell like a classic noir story with like an 80s action hero, you know, just like a rough and gruff guy that doesn't take any shit from anybody and like shoot it in a way that you can see comprehensible action and like follow the story along. And like we just wanted to go back to that time where you didn't have you a protagonist that's cracking one-liners every 10 seconds kind of thing.
0: Good stuff. Definitely sounds like my kind of film. Plus, it's kind yeah, of cool great. that, like, you guys both have things you like to focus on and kind of come together and create something cool.
2: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Helps uh, helps uh, helps with everything, really, all the parts of making a movie.
0: So why don't you guys tell us a little bit about Soul Hunters? What's the general plot and idea around the film?
1: Yeah, so Soul Hunters is about uh, disgraced ex-Special Forces agent Marcus and you see his journey of redemption. So he starts out the film working for a demon. So the cool hook here is that he works for a demon in collecting souls of, of people that sign them away, be it for more money or for better looks or for basically anything. And the thing is, through a loophole, he's able to exploit that contract and collect the souls before they're due. Because he, he, since he's a human, he's able to do this and demons cannot do this. So that's how we start off the film. And... What happens is that his former associate goes rogue, and he just, just starts killing indiscriminately. So now Marcus is the only one that can stop Eli. Yeah, it's kind of it's you know it's you have you have Marcus
2: who's a pretty I mean he's a murderer in fact, and we kind of see him grow as a character in order to become a, a hero and eventually stop the the villain who is actually he, he may be
1: Marcus may be a murderer. But the villain is actually a serial killer. So it's kind of like the concept of dark versus darker. You know, we're very much leaning into that anti-hero kind of story.
0: Definitely cool. Who doesn't like a good (laughs) anti-hero? Exactly. What inspired the idea for Soul Hunters? Oh, well, actually... So a long time ago,
2: there, there wasn't anything in particular that inspired it, but I came up with the concept. It was just basically, back then he was called John as opposed to Marcus. So it was basically just him working for a demon to collect souls. And then it just goes back in time, three days. It was, it was a very short story. And so then, you know, years later I presented it to my brother and then we're both like, well, let's actually turn this into a movie. And so we fleshed it out and we came up with all the characters, you know, the whole plot, all the acts, all of that. And it kind of turned into what it is today. And we implemented a lot of the things that we like, you know, like infiltration, kind of espionage action, uh, fight choreography, supernatural stuff, all all of that.
1: Yeah, we wanted to make a movie that we would both want to work on for the next, you know, three years of our our life. We started counting times since we started developing the script. And the thing is that we've always been interested in like dark protagonists, characters that aren't so clear cut, characters that are very complex. And we've always had an affinity for hitman stories. So then when my brother presented me this idea of like, well, what if he's a hitman but he's like working for a demon, I was like, wow, that's awesome. People haven't seen that before. So that's when we fleshed it out. Like my brother just mentioned, we both love doing action stuff. So then the fight scenes was another big part of why we wanted to do this movie because we both love doing fight scenes. My brother has excellent animations on his channel, and I've been analyzing fight scenes for the past think three years on my own YouTube channel and we both trained to be able to shoot and edit uh, fight scenes. And my personal background is that I've done martial arts. I mean, seriously, since I was in college, like around 18 years old and I, I'm a black belt in Taekwondo. I'm currently taking jujitsu. I've taken classes in Krav Maga and Wing Chun and other martial arts as well. So then I wanted to incorporate all of that knowledge into a fight scene and with my brother like he's he's a really really good cinematographer. He can light things so Thank quickly you. and make them look so awesome because one of the coolest things I think about the movie is that if you look at it it doesn't look like, you know, your standard coloring in a movie where everything is kind of like washed out gray, right? Like it's a slightly overcast day. Like we got really intense darks, really intense lights and so that it gives it that noir feeling that makes everything look so much cooler. Yeah, when I, when I was doing
2: the, the color correction, it was really more about trying to evoke a certain mood that matches the atmosphere of the scene, which isn't really done that much, you know, especially in the Marvel films, for example, they're just all, every scene looks the same, right? Despite whatever is going on, it's always lit the same way and always looks the same way. And so what I wanted to do is kind of create a contrast, right? When you're seeing Eli, how what does it feel, right? And and reflect that into the colors and reflect that into the lighting. And the same with when you're seeing Marcus, same with when you're seeing the angel, when you're seeing the demon, and kind of incorporate all of that. And, you know, they they used to do that back in the 70s and and a little bit in the 80s, but it's kind of died down over the years. And I think that now, since we have the power to, to color correct digitally... It, it's. I think it's a very important tool that the filmmakers can really use to their advantage.
0: Oh, definitely. Sounds like you guys got a lot going on. Definitely seems like you covered all your bases, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah. During the filming of Soul Hunters, were there any unexpected challenges or interesting stories that occurred? Oh, man. <laughs> it,
1: it was a difficult production. Um, we are truly an independent film, and uh, that term gets thrown a lot around these days. And it's really just like studios financing a small movie, you know, throwing like $60 million, $20 million away. And for us, it was, it was a challenging shoot. We had a small, but a dedicated crew, and a great cast too. Like we had a great cast and crew. They were all very motivated. We shot the film on uh, 23 days during the month of May. And we had a location move almost every single day because there were like a little over, I think there was about 25 locations, I think. So it was a uh, tough production because we had a lot of ground to cover, but uh, we knew what we wanted and uh, we just set about going to it, you know? I think the biggest challenge was probably what we wanted to do is is
2: go as far from you thinking low budget as we could, given the budget that we had. And so then we always thought, well, what 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 is the thing that you always think of when you're seeing something low budget? And what always kind of bring that to mind is one that it always takes place entirely in one location, right? So then we were like, well let's put a bunch of locations, right? Let's let's move the movie along. Let's have them visit different places and and that that will help it, you know, look more more cinematic and more like other movies. And then the other thing you also see in low budget movies is the same two, three actors, right? Or the same group of actors. So then the same thing we were like, well let's let's have them go and meet different characters, right? We have our main characters, but we have a bunch of cameo appearances of a lot of different actors. So then we ended up with around 25 locations and around 23 different actors, which is all all the things that you're not supposed to do in a low budget movie, right? Absolutely Because, not. because of all the all the all the work and all the money that the budgets you have to put to it. But we wanted to kind of push that bar, and then we applied the same thing to the visual effects, right? So then, in in general, the you're not going to have as, as as many shots uh, and the quality of the visual effects that you do in most low budget movies. And I spent a long time around 11 months creating all the visual effects for the film including the compositing the modeling everything right because that's, that's all the stuff that i learned and the whole time i wanted to to push the bar and make it seem as if you know a, a company had done the visual effects or that you know a, any any professional a team of people had done the visual effects you know not make it look like it was just one person. And, and, and I think that is something that we achieved where the movie itself, it, it looks far more than, what, than the money that was actually put forth to make it.
1: And a, a big part too that we wanted to focusing on in terms of the challenges, but I think that it, it, it paid off, is that, as I mentioned before, fight scenes to us are really important. And we feel that the trend in modern action movies is kind of like, you know, t- tell, don't show. So, in other words, use a lot of shaky cam, use a lot of quick cuts, you know, swap in the stunt double as often as possible, use a bunch of wires, you know, basically all these shortcuts and things that end up giving a, a toothless fight scene. So, in terms of the fight scenes, like, we worked really hard to cast someone that would be able to not just act in the movie, but fight in the movie. So, the, finding Zach Freer was, like, a, an awesome opportunity and moment for us because we, like, planned out the fights with them and Diana. She was our stunt coordinator. She did an incredible job. Her background is in karate, and Zach's background is also in taekwondo. So between the three of us, we were able to do these like really incredible fight scene choreograph these really incredible fight scenes. And I do want to make it clear, Diana did. She is the stunt coordinator. She choreographed everything. But like myself and Zach, we would put in like little flourishes here and there of like, oh, I would really love a, I would really like a jump spin back kick over here, or Zach. Would say like I could do this really cool jujitsu move over here, and then that would get implemented into the thing because Diana was very open to suggestions, and she was very good at incorporating them into the fight scenes. And in terms of it being a challenge, you usually like you see these movies, and they tell their fight scenes, and they're like, yeah, we had like seven days to shoot this fight scene, you know, and and we had to do that in like half the time. So yeah, it's challenging shooting
2: action was is a big part of what inspired us to even start making movies or even stop motion animations because it was it was sort of born from the frustration of seeing action certain action scenes in in movies that were like why did why did they cut there why don't they just keep showing the shot or or why can't we understand what's going on in terms of the fighting right because there's so many quick cuts and it's so close that you can't appreciate if there is choreography maybe there was amazing choreography but you can't enjoy it because they decided to cut it all up into pieces, right? And so then, you know, a big part of why we wanted to make movies is to create lengthy, dynamic action scenes where you can enjoy the action and, and, and not wonder what just happened. You know, actually sell the action and not just give the idea that a fight happened, but actually show a fight. And that's what we did with this movie, I think
0: definitely cool yeah i'm personally a fan of action films and one thing is if the fighting's unrealistic or just kind of not very well choreographed it can ruin the whole movie so yeah definitely cool to hear how much work you guys put into
2: it yeah yeah and 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 thanks and and the i mean our main actor or one of the main reasons that we cast him apart from him being extremely talented is that you know since he's a martial artist he can perform all these things yes without anybody you know having to cut around him, you can just show him do the kicks that he know, he's he been doing for years, you know, masterfully.
1: And the cool thing about that, too, is that since I have the same Taekwondo background, since we're both Taekwondo black belts, like, we can tell when a kick is looking good or when it's looking wrong or when it's, it can look better. And when I was editing the scenes, like, I know the pace and I know how long a take should last in order to fully appreciate a movement, or in order to not get lost in the thing. That was a big part. Like, don't get lost in the fight. Show what you need to show and cut only when absolutely necessary. Just like what my brother remarked on the clarity. That's what we wanted most. And when you're doing it, coming into it, not only as a person who was there on set, but also as a martial artist, you can see things clearly. It's like a conversation. You wouldn't cut halfway through a sentence. You can see those, those beats, those pauses, and you can highlight them.
2: And it's also, it's also you know, a, a matter of taste taste as well because there's when you're when you're incorporating martial arts there's those in the camp that are like well let's make this a spectacle right let's make this something that's entertaining and there's those that say let's make this just realistic right so you have for example the born identity where they're like let's just make this gritty fight and shoot it gritty and and all of that and i mean if that is your taste and how you like fighting that's you know that's perfectly fine but we are definitely in the camp where you know it's a movie everything is not real. Heightened. Everything is heightened. It's, it's hyper real, right? And so why not make the fights the same, right? You have all these people, all these actors telling a story that is hyper real. So you might as well also make the fight hyper real and enjoyable in that.
0: Definitely. That's the beauty of fiction. You get to make the rules.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, exactly.
0: What qualities do you guys think make a great film? And could you give us some examples of films you would consider great? Um, what I think
2: what makes a great film is... One is the passion of all the crew. If you don't have everyone behind the movie passionate about what they're making, then what comes out is going to reflect the the lack of passion that they didn't put into it, right? So I think the main part is that all the people behind it have to love not only what they're doing, but the the concept itself, right? So take, for example, the superhero movies. A lot of what Marvel does is, right, is they just kind of hire people that don't really know the characters, don't really know the comics. And when that happens, you get a movie that re- reflects that, right? For example, with Sam Raimi, they hired him and he knew the comics, you know, back, all front and back and he had been reading them and he loved the character and he loved the stories. And then it shows, you know, the first Spider-Man and with Spider-Man 2. And so I think that's, that's a big part of what makes a movie great. And obviously the, the story is probably the core of every film, and so without a good story, without a good arc to a character, then there's kind of no point in telling that story. If nobody changes in the movie, if nobody learns something, then what was the point of the film, right? What, why make a movie of that character, of that person, if, if he didn't learn anything and if we don't learn anything along with him?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think my brother covered almost everything. Uh, the, the story, again, is probably the most important hook in making a good action film because sometimes there, you can come across a, an action film that has like great fight scenes, but then like seeing whenever they're talking is a complete and total bore and you're just sucked out of the movie entirely. And I think it's the worst thing when you're watching that kind of movie and you like want to fast forward through the dialogue and you just stop it when they start punching each other because it takes a lot out of the movie when you don't care about who, who these people are. And what the stakes are and what they're fighting for when it's just two random dudes. And yeah, the choreography may be really cool, but if you don't, you're not invested in it, it just won't feel the same. Every impact won't be there.
0: Definitely. I always feel like a good movie is one where the creator had a story they wanted to tell. They weren't just making a film for the sake of it. They like legitimately wanted to tell a story and make something that meant something to them. Yeah. 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 So on the opposite end, are there any films you guys enjoy as guilty pleasures, like movies, you know, that aren't really great, but you enjoy them anyways?
1: Oh, my God. There's so many. I mean, I've seen like an innumerable amount of just like Kung Fu movies, you know, from the 70s that are just absolutely guilty pleasure. where you don't understand what is going on. And I know it just goes completely against what I'm saying right now. But those have really cool fight scenes.
2: Yeah, this is well, what's interesting is there's something when we were going up and seeing a bunch of different movies and when Matrix came out Matrix Reloaded and Transformers and Transformers 2, uh, we kind of created this lingo where we would say there's movies, there's movies to watch where there are movies with scenes and then there's movies that are whole movies. And so then, for example, The Matrix and The Matrix Revolutions would be whole movies in that you can enjoy them watching the whole thing, you know, over and over. And it's kind of everything kind of blends together. And then there's movies with scenes, right? Where perhaps you would want to skip some of the scenes, right? So, so matrix reloaded, for example, there are scenes where you, I mean, you see it the first time through and it's all right, but there's certain dialogue scenes where, okay, I got this. Or and, you, like, you, and you just want to skip through it and get to the action scene. Same with transformers Two, where there are scenes where obviously you just want to skip, but then there's action scenes in there that are absolutely phenomenal. And so, those would be the examples of the movies with scenes,
0: right? Definitely. That's a good way of putting it, too. It, I like how on YouTube sometimes I'll have like different scenes from movies and everything, so it's like I don't actually have to watch the whole movie or skip through it. I can just go and watch that on uh, YouTube or something like that.
2: There's a lot of movies you know, that are, are considered terrible or, or guilty pleasures or whatever, but they brought a lot to cinema and they pioneered a lot of things. And so when you take the scene and extract it from maybe what it did wrong, and you just isolate that scene and you see that scene for everything that it did right. It, you know, it becomes something more than just a bad movie. right? You kind of learn from what they did well and what they didn't do well.
0: What advice would you guys give to somebody who wants to create their own independent film?
2: One of the first things you have to say is make sure you have enough money left over for marketing. <laughs> That's probably the... One of the main things that we learned, right? Because what we did is that we used the whole, pretty much the whole budget in production. And then, you know, you have post production, you have marketing, you have all these legal costs too, as well, you know, contracts with the actors, just the copyright, creating an, uh, a company, all these things. And so make sure that you give enough budget for different aspects of the movie. Do not spend it all in production because you will need it later and and most of the time you won't have anywhere else to go to get more money out of it and then the other lesson would probably be that if you if you pick a crew make sure that that crew is extremely passionate about making films and the film that you are making the same with the cast pick a very passionate cast because they're going to have to spend so you're going to spend so much time with each other right and if you don't like what you're making well that's going to be you're terrible, but the cast also, they're going to put so much time into it, so much time into learning the lines. You're going to have to rehearse with them. So you ha- you need enthusiasm from everybody involved and whoever doesn't have that enthusiasm, it's going to hurt your movie. And you may think, well, you know, it's its a small part of the film, but at the end of the day, it's going to show. So you always make sure that every person you pick, you you scrutinize and you make sure that they all have the same passion you have for this project.
1: Uh, Also, in terms of organization, it's best to create a schedule that is realistic. Like everyone has going in like, oh, my God, I want to do these 40 shots. I just need to do them. I can't live without them. You have to narrow it down to shots. Just uh, sort them into categories. Sort them into like shots you absolutely need to be able to tell the story. Shots that would be cool to get, right? right, that would like enhance the movie and shots that would just be like, I mean, if we still have time, it would be cool to have this kind of coverage, but definitely go in there with a plan with a sh- really concrete shooting schedule because the thing is that people sometimes get really wrapped up in that first shot of the day and you end up just kind of like spending the whole day that sometimes happened and i helped out in a project of my brother in film school where they to- i was there for about 12 hours and they got like three shots off it was it was really really bad obviously it was not my brother's fault he was yeah. not the director or anything he was just following orders but the yeah and the the key to that was because they just got so wrapped up into that first shot that they just disregarded time, and time just flew away. So when we were do, doing this, we were super conscientious of the time, and we would go over the shooting schedule time and time again and really overcompensate, be like, we think this is going to take 15 minutes, let's give it 20. Just so you know, so you have that buffer at the end of the day where you can get a shot that you didn't think you were going to get, and then you end up getting it, and then it ends up saving uh, that scene or it ends up giving you something that you wouldn't have had otherwise when once you're sitting down and editing it and you know advice as as also you know not just directing it but as a cinematographer on
2: the movie you know they they usually tell cinematographers especially if you go to to university for it they tell you no if if, if you don't like the shot or if you don't like the lighting of the shot you don't don't shoot it right you you tell the director no i'm not going to shoot this right and you like plant your foot down and you do it don't don't do that in an independent movie. Cause it's, it's just, it's not, you're not helping anybody. You're not helping the movie. Right. So you, you have to make sure that, I mean, always strive for the best possible shot that you can get. Right. Given the time that you have, but if you have to compromise something, like maybe, maybe the lighting just, it you know, it's like 80% there and you, you could do more to shift it, but you, but if you don't get the shot, you, you're not going to have your movie. You're not going to give your editor anything to edit with. Right. And so you have to, have to balance that out you have to balance that feeling that you have where okay this isn't perfect but it's it's good enough especially when you're doing an independent film because you're always crunching for time
1: and uh same piggybacking off of that same concept in terms of directing a movie make sure you schedule plenty of rehearsals with your actors because the thing is that i think a lot of first-time directors will show up on set thinking that they can direct the actors right then and there and yes you obviously have to But a lot of the work and finding out your characters, as trite as it sounds, motivations and arc and beats and things like that, like that's gets that work gets done in the rehearsals where you have time and you have patience and you don't have this huge amount of pressure of like a bunch of people waiting to get the next shot and stuff like that. So rehearsals is definitely really important for any feature or short film that you're working on. Make sure you get those rehearsals in because that's really the most important part you can get as a director, because on set, you're going to be worrying about a host of other different things besides the performance. So it's good to just be clear about the performance and just be there to shape it and guide them based on all the work you've already done.
0: That's really good advice. It's advice that seems to get overlooked a lot. Everybody gets passionate about making their films, but the actual organization and scheduling is it's not the most fun thing, but it's definitely very important.
1: Yeah, I mean, everyone gets really in love with the party, right? The film is the party. Once you're there in production, that's the party. You've got to plan the party. And planning the party is just as important as the party itself. And a lot of people just forget to plan, and they think it's just all going to work itself out, and it never works itself out.
0: This next question is one we always like to ask toward the end of the interview. My my host Corey and I kind of have an ongoing uh, debate about this. What is your opinion on hairless cats?
1: Hairless cats? Hairless cats? Yep.
0: That's a fantastic question. I
1: I have seen hairless cats in pictures, but I've never seen one in person. So I wouldn't be able to say, like, if they look weird or not. But, I mean, hey, I mean, if you want a hairless cat, get a hairless cat. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're animals, and we love—we
2: tend to love animals more than humans. So, I mean, if you have— <laughs> You know, if somebody loves a hairless cat, then that's fantastic, you know, and we've both, we've
1: we both grown up with really exotic pets. Like I, I had a couple of iguanas, so we just had bunnies. My brother still has a, what, 18 year old? Yeah, tar- he's 18 An 18 year old tarantula. His name is oh, Harry. No. His name is Harry. So yeah, we've always had like exotic pets growing up. Eventually now we just settled on dogs. But yeah, I mean, if you want to get a hairless cat, you go and get yourself a hairless you cat. You want to be Dr. That, Evil. That's, that, fine. that's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Corey really likes them. Um, I always um, like to use the analogy of Jurassic Park, the scene where um, they're talking about whether or not it was ethical to kind of bring back dinosaurs. Like, you know, was it ethical <laughs> to create these things, you know? They look so unhappy. You know? <laughs> <That wasn't ethical. laughs> like, science has gone too far.
1: <laughs> just, be, just because we could doesn't mean we should. Yeah, exactly. Ian Malcolm's advice. <laughs>
0: yeah. Where can we watch Soul Hunters?
1: So Soul Hunters is available on Amazon. All you need to do is type Soul Hunters, and if it doesn't pop up immediately, a Soul Hunters movie or Soul Hunters Smith will do. And it's also available on our website. This is only for U.S. or U.K. If you live outside of those territories, if you go to soulhuntersmovie.com, you're able to see the movie directly on your browser. You just sign up, log in for one time, sign up. And uh, you're able to see it right there too. Yeah, and we have it in, in, our, in our website, soulhuntersmovie.com.
2: That one has both an English version and a subtitled version Yes, in, in Spanish,
0: right? So, in case, you know, if you want, if you just speak Spanish, well, then there's, yeah. there's your version. Very cool. And where can we follow you guys to learn more about Soul Hunters and any other projects that you'll be working on in the future? So uh, the official uh, social media websites, our Facebook is Soul Hunters Movie. So facebook.com
1: slash Soul Hunters Movie. Our Twitter is Soul Hunters Film. And our Instagram is also Soul Hunters Movie. So each either one of those is very easy to find. And our personal YouTube channels, mine is youtube.com slash Godzilla Rex. Altogether, sometimes asking if it's separate, it's just altogether Godzilla Rex. And I analyze uh, fight scenes and movies and comic books. And my brother's is youtube.com slash Skeletex.
2: Or, or, or it's also, I mean, the username is actually, it's it's Spidey406 because I created it when I was like 12. But <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been able to change it. But it, So it's Spidey406, but you can also put it in, in Skeletex. And what I do is that I, well, it has a bunch of stop motion animations, which is my earlier work. And then it also has a bunch of computer animations and they're about Spider-Man, Transformers, uh, Bionicle, all sorts of different things. So it's it's a, it's a pretty cool channel.
1: Definitely yeah, sounds and like- we, and we, we both regularly post like what we're going to be doing and stuff on our YouTube channel. And There's actually the there's a visual effects breakdown of the film. That just came out.
2: That's posted on all the social media stuff and also on my channel if you want to see kind of the behind the scenes of some of the shots, some of the big shots in the movie. I do a bunch of, like, layers and, and kind of show what it
0: was like to to make the different shots. Definitely cool. There you have it, movie fans, Soul Hunters, a new film by Adrian and Arturo Acevedo-Smith. Thank you for joining, guys. It's been a lot of fun having you guys on the show.
2: Yeah, thank, thank you as well. It was, a, it was a blast talking to you and, and answering all these
0: questions. It was a lot of fun. Definitely. We had
1: a great time thank you so much for having
0: us no problem look forward to checking out your film if you have an independent film you're working on and would like to discuss it you can email us at bmoviebros at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter at bmoviebros or my personal twitter at bmoviepaul. don't forget to listen to our podcast we review a different b movie each week new episodes every friday on our website bmoviebros.com if you have a movie you'd like us to review or any additional comments feel free to leave a message below This has been another B-Movie interview. We are the B-Movie Bros saying be brave, be alive, and be back next time.